MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, July 20th, 2021. Today, a federal judge dips way below federal sentencing guidelines for an insurrectionist. The Department of Justice is refusing to prosecute Wilbur Ross for misleading Congress and will not tell us why. A federal judge has upheld Indiana University's vaccine mandate. The governor of Minnesota restricts conversion therapy in his state. And 16 members of a Florida-based white supremacist gang are indicted. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, Dana. How's it going today? Hey, AG. I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing well. You're gearing up for some travel. You Tomorrow's a travel day for you, yes. so you're going to be uh, out. You won't be co-hosting the show with me tomorrow, but uh, you'll be back... When? For Friday's show? No, for Thursday's show. Wednesday, yeah. for Thursday's show. Yes, I will be back for Thursday's show. Awesome. Yeah. Well, safe travels to you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be masked up and gloved up and <laughs> <laughs> rabbit and bunny suited up and hazmat suited. Uh, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Good, good. Yes. Stay safe. Stay safe out there with the Delta variant. I'm going to be talking later in the show with my good friend, Glenn Kirshner, 20 plus year federal prosecutor in D.C. We're going to discuss the miscarriage of justice I mentioned at the top of the show that went down in the D.C. District Court this morning when a judge handed down a sentence of only eight months to an insurrectionist where prosecutors were seeking 18 months and the federal sentencing guidelines are 15 to 21. So, um, yeah, and there's going to be more of those, you know, it's going to be frustrating, but we still have to assume that they're moving in the right direction. Yeah, I don't know, though. This this really kind of fucks it up for all the other prosecutors. Uh, yep. I'd be I'd be pretty pissed if I was a prosecutor in D.C. right now. So we're going to talk to him a little bit later because, as he says, justice matters. But beyond that, we do have a lot of headlines to get to, Dana. So uh, let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. Okay, for the lead story, I'm going to Rachel Maddow you today. <laughs> Don't threaten me with a good time, Allison. <laughs> you see, I did a little research on one of the people mentioned in this next story, which is brought to us by the New York Times, and I can't believe they didn't fucking mention it. So I really needed to bring some attention to this because this is a dereliction of duty as far as I'm concerned, unless it's later, it appears later in the article, and I just didn't get through all 8,000 paragraphs of it, which were totally unnecessary. <laughs> In 2008, a white-haired lawyer, this is how Rachel always starts, in 1927, no, in 2008, a white-haired lawyer from Terre Haute, Indiana, named James Bopp, literally got laughed out of a courtroom by a federal appellate court judge named Lambert, who we've heard before, who was part of a three-judge panel, and he was part of this panel that was hearing Bopp's pitch for why the FEC should allow his tiny conservative nonprofit to run a 60 minute long propaganda movie about how Hillary Clinton was a socialist. Uh, oh, my God. And they wanted to run it during primary season. But the FEC says, no, we've got a rule. If you're going to run political, this am amounts to a political advertisement. And if you're going to do that, you have to say who paid for it. You know how they're like, this ad was paid for. Mm -hmm. Them's the rules. Well, <laughs> Bob argued to this three-judge panel that his movie wasn't very different from, quote, the, the kinds of things you'd see on 60 Minutes, 
unquote. And that is what made Judge Lambert laugh out loud, (laughs) saying, you can't compare this to 60 Minutes. Did you read the transcript? (laughs) And laughed. So that three-judge panel upheld the FEC's decision, saying his tiny nonprofit could not run its political ad without disclosing who paid for it during primary season. That case eventually ended up in the Supreme Court, and that little nonprofit called Citizens United won their appeal. So when I read this next story from the New York Times, the New York motherfucking Times, (laughs) this week about James Bott being in court, the New York Times said, Bob is known for his legal advocacy promoting conservative causes. Oh, my dear... Okay. New York Times. That is the fucking understatement of the century. But James Bopp is back in court this week. He was representing eight students from Indiana University who think that mandating vaccines for in-person learning violates their bodily autonomy abortions and that the coronavirus vaccines have only emergency youth authorization from the FDA and should not be considered as part of the normal range of vaccinations that schools require. In what appears to be the first ruling upholding a coronavirus vaccine mandate by a university, the federal judge affirmed that Indiana University can require that its students be vaccinated. Quote, what we have here is the government forcing you to do something that you strenuously object to and have your body invaded in the process, said the lawyer. Abortion. Quote, this is the judge. The 14th Amendment permits Indiana University to pursue a reasonable and due process of vaccination in the legitimate interest of public health for its students, faculty and staff. That's what the ruling said. Also noting that the university had made exceptions for students who object for on religious ground. You can object, you know, so shut up. Get out of here. (laughs) Bob vowed an appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court. Never forget how a laughable lawsuit brought this, you know, brought by this asshole pretty much destroyed fair and equitable campaign finance in the United States. And it's going to be hard to overturn. Oh, yeah. So as much as I want to laugh at this idiotic bodily autonomy douchebag lawsuit, it now has sets precedent. Yep. 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 So we'll see what uh, his, he's going he'll, he'll appeal to the Supreme Court. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I'm going to take you down to other douchebags in Florida. We've got 16 of them, 16 members of a Florida based white supremacist group who went by names such as Shrek, Pretty Boy, and Scumbag. <laughs> Sorry, these are the worst outsider names I've ever heard. Have been charged in 12 count racketeering indictment, accusing them of engaging in acts of murder, kidnapping, and other offenses. So the members of a group called the Unforgiven used, quote, corrupt law enforcement officers and state employees to gather information about the investigation and to smuggle contraband to incarcerated inmates. That's what the indictment says. Hmm. So the group required its members to study Aryan philosophy and carry out acts of extreme violence to gain entry into the gang. This is again from the indictment. They were also required to get tattoos which included swastikas, iron crosses, and SS bolts, pay dues, and attend regular meetings known as, quote, unquote, church. So swastikas, double S bolts, but you got to pay your dues. I mean, because what would Jesus do? Right. One of the people named in the indictment, David Howell, 39, was charged. (laughs) I just want to see that. Scumbag, 39, was charged with this. Scumbag was charged with assaulting protesters with a dangerous weapon at a, quote, peace walk for Black Lives protest last June. Now, this is when he, this, this is, has nothing to do with January 6th. This was last June. An attorney for Howell in Florida was not listed in court records, which is really interesting. Several members, including George Shrek, Andrew, I mean, nothing instills fear like Shrek. Was he jaundiced? Like, why was his nickname he, Shrek? He could have been. Did he smell bad? Like, what? Was he a big ogre? fella? Mm. Don't know. 
Ogre could have been, but Shrek and Scumbag, who's Brandon Welch Brandon. and Joshua. <laughs> oh yeah, it goes better. Joshua, who goes by Chain Gang Wilson. <laughs> Just want to remind you, this is a bunch of white guys. These are the <laughs> if anyone's worst curious. nicknames ever in history. Like, do they have like a, a like an Aryan gang nickname generator that I'm? They might. Brandon Scumbag Welch. What the fuck? I got Joshua Chain Gang. Come on, big money, big money, no whammies. Yeah, well, these assholes, AG, are facing up to 30 years in prison if they're convicted. So, like, nine months. Right. They'll get, they'll probably get probation. I can't. I'm sorry, people. We're just over it today. Another member of the group, this is Michael Curzio. He pleaded guilty Monday to participating in the storming of the U.S. Capitol, that January 6th event. He was sentenced to six months in prison, but was set to be released from jail this week after receiving credit for time served. So, yes, this is going to get more and more frustrating and rightfully so, because this is a bunch of bullshit. But these guys can face a lot of years. So we're going to see what happens with these indictments. Sixteen members of this gang, of this gang. I can't call it a gang. Yeah. Scumbag and chain gang and one eye. And I mean, Shrek. Shrek. Hakuna Matata. Like, what, who else is in this gang? Donkey. Send in your, your gang names for us. I there would love go. for you to, for you guys to <laughs> contribute to this. Aryan Nation gang. Yeah, name. send those in. Feel free to send them in. If anyone wants to actually create a nickname generator for this gang, that would be extra oh fun. My God. Send it to Brandon us. Brandon Casper Welch. <laughs> send him to us. He's the friendly ghost. You can send them to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. I would love to hear your ideas for gang names. Our next story is from government executive today. And it says the Biden administration has declined to prosecute former Trump officials, including former Commerce Department Secretary Wilbur Ross, after an inspector general confirmed they provided false testimony regarding the origins of the proposed citizenship question on the 2020 census. The Commerce uh, Inspector General launched his probe in 2019 following a request from lawmakers. The investigators did not make their report public, citing Privacy Act concerns, but said in a letter to Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Carolyn Maloney, representative from New York, that Ross and other officials played a substantive role in proposing the addition of the citizenship question on the census. The proposal caused significant controversy as critics said it would deter non-citizens from participating in the count as it was eventually struck down by the Supreme Court, that question. Ross twice told Congress the addition of the citizenship question was based solely on a request from the Justice Department. Mm -hmm. But the inspector general found Ross misrepresented the full rationale behind the decision. Its findings follow publicly disclosed emails that clearly demonstrate that the role that Ross and the White House and other commerce officials played well before the Justice Department became involved. The Supreme Court noted the political influence when ordering the removal of the question. The Supreme Court actually cited it. Quote, evidence shows there were significant communications related to the citizenship question among then secretary, his staff and other government officials between March 2017 and September 2017, which was well before the Department of Justice request memorandum. Evidence also suggests the department requested and played a part in drafting the DOJ memo. (laughs) The inspector general said it presented its findings to the justice's public integrity section of the criminal division, but the department declined to pursue prosecution. Under the Trump administration, justice similarly declined to prosecute Ross and others after Democrats voted to hold them in contempt for refusing to turn over documents relating to the citizenship question. Justice did not respond to an inquiry as to why it declined prosecution. And that's the part that fucking bothers me. Yeah. I'm very bothered that they didn't take up this prosecution, but I can see how they wouldn't win. This would be the argument. Wilbur Ross would say, 
look, we used the memo from the Department of Justice as the sole thing that guided us to add that question. Sure, we told the DOJ to write the memo. And sure, I had a lot of meetings about it beforehand and emails and public staff and shit like that. But it was that DOJ memo that I corruptly helped write that was the sole thing. <laughs> I wasn't lying. And he would get off on a technicality, just like Sessions got off on a technicality when, when he right. said he never met with any Russians. He did, but not in an official capacity that were in his calendar that had note takers and shit present, you know? Right. Just like Kavanaugh didn't say he sexually assaulted, you know, yeah. Christine. But yeah, it just wasn't official. So in his calendar. And, and, I'll, and I'll talk to Glenn a little bit about this later on in the show, but I mean, if you don't have a slam dunk case, you you don't bring it, you know, and if they can't prove that he lied, which I don't think that they could, but they don't tell us. And that's what's fucking pissing me off. I'm not nine. Right. Merrick Garland. You can tell me why you're not bringing charges. I think I can guess, but I shouldn't have to guess. And if you're trying to earn my trust back, you suck at it right now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Anyway, I do. I think we need some good news. Yeah, we do. I think we need some good news to end the hot notes. Thank you. So I'm going to give it to you. We're going to Minnesota. The governor, Tim Waltz, who's a Democrat, not surprising to anyone at this point, on Thursday signed an executive order significantly restricting the use of conversion therapy in the state. There is no scientific evidence to support the use of conversion therapy. Take it easy, scumbag. You know what? Take it easy. Come on, Shrek. I'm trying to get through a story. (laughs) All right. There's no scientific evidence to support the use of conversion therapy, and that's according to the Human Rights Campaign, which says the practice can instead lead to depression, anxiety, and suicide. At least 20 states, plus Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico, have banned the controversial practice. This is a quote, we want you to be whoever you are, and that should seem like a pretty simple statement. The fact of the matter is, it's not. And this is from Waltz. He was addressing the state's LGBTQ community. He said, our kids deserve to grow up in a state that values them for who they are, not one that tries to change them. He went on to say, this executive order aims to protect young and vulnerable Minnesotans from the cruel and discredited practice of conversion therapy and affirms that the LGBTQ plus community is an integral part of one Minnesota, ending with, we call our partners in the legislature to move a comprehensive ban on conversion therapy across the finish line, but we will not wait to do what's right. So this is the explanation. Walter's executive order restricts conversion therapy by directing the state health and commerce departments to request declarations from health maintenance organizations and health plan companies that they do not cover conversion therapy. So it also requires the health department to report on the public health impacts of conversion therapy In addition, the state human rights department will also investigate and pursue civil enforcement actions against health providers who engage in practices related to conversion therapy. Fuck yes. Mm. And the human services department is not allowed to pay for conversion therapy uses with state funds. This is a big deal. So those are the key points there. Now, the reason he didn't fully outright ban it is because he can't by executive order that's something the state legislature would have to do, which is why he's putting it to them and putting his you know, weight behind it, saying we need to push this through. We need to do this. Yeah, absolutely. And he said, we've got to do what's right now as much as I can. I have to. So that's fucking awesome. Good job. I am happy with that guy. I am as well. <laughs> At least we're happy with someone today. Thank you for bringing me out of my funk there, Governor and Dana. We'll be right back with the host of Justice Matters, former federal prosecutor Glenn Kirshner. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right Hey, everybody, it's Allison, and today's episode of The Beans is brought to you by Helix Sleep. 
If you've been listening for a long time, you know I absolutely love my Helix mattress. And if you want to get a good night's rest, all you need is two minutes of your time. Just go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you and your body type and your individual sleep preferences to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. I used to toss and turn all night. I would wake up exhausted and sore, but now I sleep much better. I don't have soreness in the mornings. I've had my Helix mattress almost two years now. I absolutely am in love with it. It's like falling asleep on a cloud. I wake up feeling rested and refreshed. With Helix, you get a mattress that's customized and perfect to the way that you sleep. They have soft mattresses, medium, firm. They have mattresses great for cooling you down if you sleep hot, which I do. They have mattresses great for spinal alignment to prevent morning aches and pains. And they have Helix Plus mattresses for our beautiful plus-size sleepers. I took the quiz myself. I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I like a medium firm bed and I sleep on my side. So it's perfect for me. It's a huge upgrade over what I used to have. And I had one of the top brands, but this is just head and shoulders better than anything I've ever slept on. And the delivery is awesome. The setup was fast and easy. Helix has over 12,000 five-star reviews and was awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. Helix has been recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and a lot of doctors of sleep medicine also as a go-to solution for improving sleep. So they have an option for flexible payment plans. So a great night's sleep is never far away. They have financing too and a 10-year warranty. And you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll come and pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. And they're offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows just by going to helixsleep. That's H-E-L-I-X sleep.com slash dailybeans. You'll be glad you did. Everybody, welcome back. I am happy and proud to be joined today by my friend, former federal prosecutor over 20 years in D.C., and a host of Justice Matters, which you need to check out on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Please welcome Glenn Kirshner. Hello, Glenn. Hey, G. How are we doing? I'm angry today. How are you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not thrilled with our criminal justice system, at least one sliver of it in my backyard, the federal district court in D.C. Yeah. So this judge handed down a sentence today. This is one of the first sentencing hearings that we've gotten from the insurrection. And tell us a little bit about what was charged, the crimes that were committed, and what the sentencing guidelines are, can, if you can do that for us. Yeah. So this guy, Paul Allard from Texas, was charged with a host of offenses, but he pleaded guilty to one count of felony obstructing a congressional proceeding, more in plain English, trying to stop the certification of the presidential election. Um, it's It's a felony that carries up to 20 years in prison by statute. But the reality is, in the criminal justice system federally, everything falls within these federal guidelines, and they are almost always well below the statutory maximum. So this particular insurrectionist, Paul Allard, was facing a guideline sentence of between 15 and 21 months. To his credit, he had no criminal history. However, he did get on a bus from Florida. He packed his little insurrection travel kit, goggles, latex gloves, rope. I still haven't seen exactly what he intended to do with the rope. And then he came up, he went to the hate rally that Donald Trump threw in advance of the insurrection. And then Donald Trump said, now go down the street to the Capitol and stop the steal, stop what's going on, right? So he dutifully complied with the president that today in open court, he said, I love, that's why I was motivated to do what I did. I have love for Donald Trump. And he breached the Capitol. He entered 
He went to the um, uh, well of the Senate chamber. He flew the Trump flag in the well. He saluted it on the floor of the Senate. He prayed. Now, that's that's what he did. He didn't assault the police officer. He didn't damage property, but he did participate in perhaps the most dramatic attempt to overthrow the democratic process. Now, the prosecutor, I thought, made really strong and appropriate arguments and said several times, let's be clear, what went on that day in the U.S. Capitol is domestic terrorism. And the prosecution ultimately asked the judge to impose 18 months in prison. I'm not even going to get into the presentation of the defense attorney because it was just bizarre and rambling. He inserted himself personally. It, it was very strange. I will say, to defendant Allard's credit, he made a direct plea to the court, explained what he did and why he did it. He was very eloquent. He was very uh, apologetic. He took responsibility and he said, and I'm ready to take my punishment. It was actually a pretty impressive uh, statement by a defendant. And I've seen probably thousands of them. So um, then the judge started to talk and the judge talked a good game. He said the kind of things that federal judges in, in D.C. have been saying about the insurrection. Let me just quote three sentences that appear in the prosecution sentencing memo. Judges in the District of Columbia have said, and I quote, the violent breach of the Capitol on January 6th was a grave danger to our democracy, a singular and chilling event in U.S. history, raising legitimate concern about the security, not only for the Capitol building, but of our democracy itself and the actions of the violent mob, particularly, and here's where Paul Allar, uh, Hodgkins, I'm sorry, comes in, particularly those members who breached police lines, gained entry to the Capitol, are reprehensible uh, offenses against the morality, civic virtue, and the rule of law. The judges have go gone on and on about how bad this is, how dangerous it is to our democracy. And Judge Moss said some of those things. He was the presiding judge today. The prosecutor wanted 18 months in prison. The guideline sentence was 15 to 21 months. And then Judge Moss said, so I'm only going to send you to prison for eight months. I thought I misheard it. I listened to the entire live stream of it. But no, he actually said eight months. And here's the most important point. The guidelines are there for a reason. And the reason is similar offenses should be sentenced similarly. And when the guidelines say somebody who obstructs a congressional inquiry, and this is not a congressional inquiry into agriculture prices. This is a congressional uh, proceeding by which our democratic process is living and breathing. The most benign, the least offensive one deserves at least 15 months in prison. This was not the most benign, inoffensive, mild um, obstruction of a congressional proceeding. It was the most dramatic. As all of these judges have been saying, somehow Judge Moss lost his mind at the last minute, in my estimation, and gave him eight months. What that's going to do, and it was not warranted, that dramatic reduction in his sentence was not warranted by the facts by the evidence. So what this is going to do is it's going to make the prosecutor's job all the harder moving forward when 500 plus insurrectionists who are pending trial as we speak 
say eight months, not a year and a half, like the prosecutor wanted, you know what? Maybe I can get six months. Maybe I can get probation. I want my trial. I'm not going to plead guilty. I'm not going to cooperate. I'm not going to tell the prosecutors about my fellow insurrectionists and help them build the case. No, no. Judge Moss did us a solid. I'm going to trial. He made it. He just set a really ugly table at which none of these defendants are going to want to eat. And doesn't this. Well, first of all, did, did Judge Moss say why the downward departure? He didn't. Well, here's what he did say. So every case when we are sentencing a defendant has aggravating factors and mitigating factors. Aggravating factors make the sentence go up. Mitigating factors make the sentence go down. All he could say that were sort of mitigators in Judge Moss's opinion were he had no criminal record. Fair enough. That's always not it doesn't really mitigate the offense, but it it puts this defendant in a particular sort of frame of reference, right? Okay, he's in his, I think, 30s. He's never been in trouble before, never been convicted of a crime. Okay, that, that's a plus for the defendant. You know, and then Moss started saying things like, well, he didn't assault any police officers. He didn't um, damage any property. He didn't do this. He didn't do that. So I think this is Judge Moss sort of losing sight of the treason forest for the petty crime trees. Because Here's the thing. 10,000 times a day in this country, people commit assaults, people commit property damage, people commit trespass, unlawful entry into buildings. That's not what is really important here. What's important here is this mob of insurrectionists tried to stop democracy dead in its tracks in a in a violent way even if they didn't each punch a police officer. So I don't understand the judge's rationale in doing it. And he certainly didn't explain it to this old prosecutor's satisfaction. And I don't think to the general public's satisfaction, if you listen to what he said. Yeah, no, because I mean, sure, you take these mitigating factors into account. The fact that he's never committed a crime before that puts you at the low end of the sentencing guidelines, which is 15 months, right? Bingo. Not half of that. And also, how does this impact Besides, you know, all of now all the insurrectionists are going to be like, I want I want my trial. I want to go to trial. I don't I'm not going to cooperate, et cetera, et cetera. This sort of sets a precedent for other judges sentencing now, doesn't it? Yes and no. Each sentencing is intensely unique. It has to do with the, the background and the history of the offender. It has to do with the exact conduct that that defendant committed while in the Capitol and one judge's sentencing determination doesn't bind and is really not even all that persuasive to another judge when he or she is approaching an an intensely unique sentencing hearing. So this, you know, it, it does some atmospheric damage, not because other judges will follow it. I actually expect you're going to see other judges push back against it and say, I understand my colleague down the hall gave an insurrectionist eight months. Let me tell you why I view this very differently. That's what I think we're going to hear some judges saying moving forward. What it really does is it damages the the sort of atmospherics and the psyche of all the other insurrectionists who now think maybe they're going to get off with lighter punishment than they otherwise thought they might. Yeah, especially with the, the jammed up court. I mean, we've got 535 cases now and there was there's more coming 
And, you know, I know that they are trying to save the trials for the most egregious conspiratorial, you know, heavy indictments there. And so that you couple that with this light sentence and you've got a bunch of people who are going to not cooperate for very much. Do you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. it's just it, they just cheapened it. Now, now the flip side of it, I mean, the, the fact is that uh, Hodgkins pleaded guilty to a felony. That's a good thing. The felony wasn't just damaging property and it wasn't just unlawfully entering the Capitol. It was to obstruct the election certification. That's a good thing. And that's a building block plea that prosecutors can use moving forward to work their way up the criminal fish ladder. That's an important plea. And he and he pleaded guilty early. Right. He didn't force the government to take him to to trial and pour a lot of resources into a, a contested trial. So there are definitely some good things that come of it. It's just that we really got um, the the air taken out of the balloon when we heard eight months as opposed to what the judge should have imposed, which in my estimation is the 18 months that the prosecutors asked for. Because what I can tell you is the people who know what an appropriate sentence is when you are dealing with five and 600 defendants involved in one crime are the prosecutors. Doesn't mean the judge has to defer to us, but most judges are comfortable and confident enough to understand that prosecutors strive for some uniformity, consistency, and fairness across the spectrum of related cases. They understand that and they sentence defendants accordingly. This judge would have none of it. Of course, he was also the judge that when he worked for the Office of Legal Counsel, authored the memo that said you can't indict a criminal sitting president. I throw that in because I'm angry and it happens to be true. Wow. I did not know that. Glenn, I have to take a quick break, but I want to ask you about, you mentioned up the ladder, going up the ladder, and I want to talk about that, but I have to take a quick break. Will you stay with me? I will. Thanks, Glenn. Everybody, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's Allison with The Daily Beans. We all put off a lot of things. I am the queen of procrastinating, but it's not good to do with our health care. And it just adds to stress that can actually make our health worse. So if you've been putting off seeing the doctor or if making an appointment or going to the doctor or driving, getting in traffic, sitting in a crowded waiting room, if that feels like a chore, you can try Plush Care. It's here for you. They make it super easy to schedule an appointment and see a doctor so you can prioritize your health hassle-free. Plush Care provides virtual provider appointments through your smartphone or computer. It's super easy. You just pick a time. I was really easy for me. I booked an appointment. It was right good for me, like a right time, right, you know, exactly when I needed it. And it was right online. It was super simple. And with Plush Care, I was diagnosed, treated, and had prescriptions sent to my pharmacy of choice. That They could do that for you if it's needed. And they can do it within minutes. Plush Care accepts most major insurance carriers. And they're available in all 50 states. And the providers really care. They're there to help by discussing treatment options and providing prescriptions as needed. And they're available anytime I have questions, which is great. I found using Plush Care to be such a pleasant experience. It was so easy to schedule that appointment. And I felt immediately comfortable and confident with my provider. Plush Care makes it easier than ever to take care of yourself inside and out. So start your membership today. Go to plushcare.com slash daily beans to start your free 30-day trial. That's plushcare, P-L-U-S-H-C-A-R-E dot com slash daily beans for a free 30-day trial. Again, plushcare.com slash daily beans. And today's show is also brought to you by Ewe Life, the single best way to get omega-3s. This year, I'm very focused on my health and nutrition. I've tried a bunch of different omega-3 options and supplements, and Iwi is by far the best. Iwi's secret is algae. It's on a whole nother level than plain fish oil. They realize that fish get their omega-3s from algae, so Iwi goes straight to the source. They skip the middle fish, so you get to skip those nasty fish taste leftovers (laughs) that that end up happening with, with fish oil pills. 
I've used traditional omega-3 supplements and Iwi is far superior. Iwi's proprietary form of algae leads to 50% more absorption, the world's highest absorption of any source of omega-3. Iwi's patented formula goes right to your bloodstream for more absorption, more health benefits, and in a clinical study, Iwi cholesterol helped reduce bad or VLDL cholesterol by 25% on average in just three months. No matter how old or young you are, you can reap the benefits of Iwi. If you're all about the healthy lifestyle, adding Iwi to your self-care supplements is a must to support your heart, brain, vision, and overall wellness. All of Iwi's products are plant-based and their algae is sustainably farmed in the U.S. It's never too late or too early to start taking Iwi. So go to iwilife.com slash dailybeans and use code dailybeans, all one word, to save 30% on your first purchase. That's huge. Take advantage of this limited time offer right now. Iwi Life, that's I-W-I-L-I-F-E dot com slash daily beans and use code daily beans for 30% off your first purchase. EWLife.com slash daily beans and promo code daily beans. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Everybody, welcome back. We are talking with the host of Justice Matters, former federal prosecutor, my friend, Glenn Kirshner. And Glenn, before the break, you had mentioned that this this particular defendant pleading guilty to a felony of obstructing Congress in a proceeding, which was verification of our election, was a building block to work your way up the criminal ladder. Because when you mentioned the importance of the charge and the felony, what clicked in my head was this is probably bad news for the people who incited this riot. Can you talk a little bit about why and how this is a building block for going up the ladder? Sure. So. Charges like assaulting a police officer, which are horrific, um, charges like unlawfully entering a federal building, charges like damaging government property once you're in that building, those are all, um, they're legitimate charges. Um, they should be prosecuted. They're contemptible. But what's, what's really, I think, most dangerous for the people who funded, organized, and incited what happened that day is when the people that they incited plead guilty or are convicted of going there to stop the democratic process, because that is what Trump, Don Jr., Mo Brooks, Rudy Giuliani, and others urged them to do, go down there and stop the democratic process. They called it a steal, which is a win-win for prosecutors because they were lying to the people they were urging to go down and stop what was going on in the Capitol, which is what supplies the corrupt intent for Trump, Don Jr., Rudy Giuliani, Mo Brooks, and others. So believe me, this is a case I would try for free if given the opportunity. But these are building block pleas, because what the government is proving with these guilty pleas is that when this angry mob was told to go stop the democratic process by Donald Trump, they acted on it and they did exactly what he instructed them to do. That's why what he instructed them to do is inciting a riot. And let me go down into the procedural weeds for one minute, because people will say, well, but a guy like Hodgkins is not really part of a conspiracy. He didn't plead guilty with cooperation. He was allowed to just plead straight up to one count. That's true. But that tells me two things. One, he probably didn't have information about other insurrectionists, like what the Proud Boys were up to, what the three percenters were up to. He got on a bus by himself from Tampa, Florida, motivated by his love of Donald Trump and came to the Capitol and did what he did. So people will say, well, he didn't even have to cooperate. So it's really not that valuable to the prosecution because he's not providing information about other insurrectionists. I would disagree with that. And here's why. Sometimes I had co-defending cases where multiple guys, usually men, 
were doing crime together. And I really wanted one to be a cooperating witness because it was really going to bolster my case against the others. But he held fast. He would not cooperate. He was a Hodgkins, right? So what I did was I pleaded him out to a charge that was a building block charge that I could use against the others. And here's what I did. Even though he didn't agree to cooperate and testify against others, I forced him to the stand as a hostile witness. And I crammed down his throat legally and in a procedurally appropriate way, his guilty plea. Sir, you pleaded guilty on such and such a date to conspiracy to kill, didn't you? And he can say whatever he wants to say. He can say no, but then I impeach him with his own judgment and commitment order. And the jury knows not only did he plead guilty to doing something together with these other people I'm trying to convict, but he's still hostile because he's lying about it. They can force the prop. This is a tried and true tactic. We only do it if we're really being aggressive and we really want to hold the, the, the kingpins and the top dogs and the big criminal fish guilty. This is what we do. And I hope they're, they're going to do it. You put Hodgkins on the stand. You say, sir, on such and such a date, you pleaded guilty to obstructing, stopping what was going on in Congress. That is a building block piece of evidence that we can use whether or not Hodgkins is a cooperating witness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's exactly kind of what popped into my head when you said what he had pled guilty to. Because, like you said, this isn't just trespassing or violent entry or anything like, you know, just those initial charges that they scooped everybody up with at first. So that's really, really an interesting tactic. And and thank you for getting into the procedural weeds in the trees and forests. I appreciate it. (laughs) I wanted to ask you just in general before I let you go, we haven't heard anything about anyone above sort of these, you know, at least the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers and Three Percenters leaders, anyone higher up being even investigated. Uh, although I, I, I take that back. I think we did hear from the Washington Post in February, on February 20th, that they were, in fact, investigating Roger Stone for his role in the insurrection. But do you think we haven't Everyone seems to be very impatient. They're like, throw the cuffs on Donald Trump now. And I keep trying to say that would be bad. We have to have an airtight case. You have to complete the investigation. You don't want, you know, think of a different defendant in those shoes. And you don't you don't want to do that. Right. So can you kind of explain why this is taking as long as it's taking, which is appropriate? Actually, it's going pretty fast, I think. And maybe hopefully what we can expect down the road when we should start passing judgment on them, not investigating the leaders. Yeah, that, that's a great question. We are all impatient. And the reason we're impatient is because both public safety and the health of our democracy are at risk, right? Because Donald Trump continues to whip up support for Insurrection 2.0 at his hate rallies. And that is what disturbs me more than anything else. Prosecutors like to build a perfect case particularly federal prosecutors. But there's a balance to be struck between building a perfect case and bringing charges to stop a public safety emergency. And I think we have a public safety emergency on our hands at the moment. So, But you're absolutely right. This is actually moving apace. They're um, going after the lowest rung of the criminal ladder, the 500 plus insurrectionists. And I do believe they are investigating up. They're investigating the funders, the organizers, and the insiders. And on the one hand, we shouldn't hear anything about it. We wouldn't expect the Department of Justice to step to the microphone and say, by the way, 
Let us tell you who we have in our sights as we work our way up the criminal chain in our pending investigation. We generally don't do that. But there is nothing general or typical or ordinary about what we're contending with as a country, an attempted violent overthrow of our democracy just months ago, and a president, former president, who's trying to orchestrate it again. So I would say, you know, to the Department of Justice, you need to include us more in what you are doing, because our future is at risk. You don't need to compromise your pending investigation. Don't tell us anything we shouldn't know, but please assure us that you are working your way up the chain to hold accountable everybody who has criminal culpability. Mm -hmm. And as the American people, I don't think that's too much to ask. Now, if you'll recall a few months ago, we learned that the FBI, after they were arresting the, um, the defendants, the insurrectionists, they were interrogating them and asking them about their contacts with members of Congress. Yeah, well, that was a big news need, day. <laughs> you don't need to be Sherlock Holmes to, to read that clue. They are investigating the potential complicity of members of Congress. They are investigating their way up the chain. We just we do have to be patient as difficult as that is. And generally, you don't ask questions like that unless you've got some sort of evidence, right? Exactly. You've already got the phone records between, I, I, I'm going to say hypothetically, Lauren Boebert's office yeah. and the insurrectionists, right? <laughs> that's a real That's a real hypothetical going out on a limb there, Glenn. Yeah. <laughs> going out on a limb on, in the trees and forest. I love that, by the way. I'm calling this episode the trees and forest. Love it. <laughs> yeah. And I also, generally speaking, and I'm with you, I want that more transparency. We're adults. You know, like talk to us like we're grownups, Department of Justice, because, you know, you and I were talking a little bit before we started recording about the Wilbur Ross thing that they're not going to Department of Justice is not going to prosecute for lying to Congress, which is a 1001 charge. But they didn't say why. And the Justice Department isn't commenting on why. And I wish they would tell us because the answer is probably technically we can't get him on 1001 because he said Wilbur Ross told Congress that the Department of Justice was the sole reason or the sole per, you know contributor to why we put that question on the census about citizenship the citizenship question now truth be told there were other agencies and people working behind the scenes to come up with that question and then they told the department of justice to make that recommendation and so technically you know i mean if you want to get technical about it you could probably say it's not a lie to say the department of justice made the recommendation and that's solely what we went on was the department of justice's recommendation and so you might not have a good case for 1001 but they won't tell us why and that's all i want I, i'm with you i don't think it's too much to ask and we want to know more we are adults and we can we can handle the truth but we're, we're adults on the edge and we actually need more information and more transparency so so the government can rebuild its relationship of trust with us. Listen, ordinarily, if a prosecutor told me, listen, I've assessed the evidence and I don't have enough to bring a charge, I was willing to accept that because that was something I had to do hundreds and hundreds of times. The problem is, after four years of Donald Trump and Bill Barr and Jeff Sessions, we have no confidence that if a prosecutorial decision is made to prosecute or to decline to prosecute, then it had anything to do with the evidence that did or did not support the charge. Mm. It had to do about whether you were friends of Donald Trump, Mike Flynn, uh, Paul Manafort, 
Roger Stone, you know, and so, yes, we need we need not only to know that Joe Biden and particularly his cabinet secretaries are fixing what Donald Trump broke in each um, agency of our executive branch. We also need to know what they found that needs fixing. We need fireside chats or poolside chats. I've said this several times. Just give us one hour a week, President Biden, where you bring each cabinet secretary in to talk to the American people and say, this is what I found in Donald Trump's Department of Education or EPA or labor. Here's how we're fixing it. But we thought we owed it to the American people to tell you the state of the federal government when we took over. And here's how we're going to fix it. And here's our priorities moving forward. Why can't we get that? We deserve it. We need it. You need to rebuild trust with the American people. Yeah. And a lot of that's out there. It's just buried. It's the media is not reporting on it. We do. I do clean up on aisle 45. We talk about all of that stuff with what they found in the EPA. And they're putting together these commissions to look through, you know, what's been going on, all the unscientific papers and opinions and all that stuff. And and you're right. It needs it needs to be out there in the public so we can see it, because especially when you're declining to prosecute, I think it's in order to build that trust back. That's I mean, you're going to have this now you're just going to have a nightmare where people are like, not trusting that you're, you know, because the whole, you know, we're going to move forward and not look back. You know, that sort of feeling is growing in, in this in this country. And a lot of people are really upset about that. So if you're declining to prosecute somebody from the former administration, just just tell us why. Yeah. Tell us what if it's a righteous decision, we're with you. It might it might frustrate us, but I will never. I swear that the only the, the, the worst thing we can possibly do is criminally pursue somebody who we don't have the goods on and we don't expect we can get the evidence to bring a righteous prosecution, then I don't care if you're Mike Pompeo or Rudy Giuliani or Matt Gates. If we don't have enough evidence to prosecute you, then I will fight like hell to make sure we don't prosecute you as much as I may despise you because I perceive you're a lawless hump. <laughs> Yeah, but we also we always have to think of it on the flip side. Do we want every defendant to be treated that way? I think that that's kind of an important litmus test to put someone else in the shoes of the person who you desperately want to see go to jail yeah. because you know they're they've been criming. But uh, Glenn, thank you so much. Tell everyone where they can find you because the the information that you put out on Justice Matters is so important. Yeah, if they go to YouTube and either Google my name or Justice Matters with Glenn Kirshner. It's actually Glenn Kirshner, too. I think it's run under, but they'll find me on YouTube. Uh, I'm on uh, uh, Patreon. I'm on Twitter all day and night trying to answer legal questions because people's anxiety, I feel like, is growing again in, in a way. You know, it was kind of at the zenith, not just during the Trump years, but as we approach the election. Uh, and I feel like it's growing again now because we couldn't trust the Bill Barr Department of Justice. And if we can't, if we, if we feel like we can't now trust the, the Merrick Garland Department of Justice, where does that leave us? It you know makes us feel a little like Russia or North Korea. So we really, I think, um, need transparency. We need information um, from our high government officials. And I don't think that's too much to ask. No, it's not. And number one for me is the insiders and funders of the insurrection. And number two for me is obstruction of justice that even the extremely conservative Bob Mueller said you could prosecute once he leaves office. Yeah. And he laid it out just 
so pretty. It's all there. <laughs> and, and there is no further investigation that needs to be conducted. Those are ready-made charges for prosecution, which gives me some frustration. And I'd like to know why Mar- Merrick Garland is not moving out. If there's a legitimate reason, please tell us, because the tell crimes us. are there. Yeah. And they're in they're there. They're in black and white. The investigation is done. They've got additional testimony now from Don McGahn, which were the most egregious obstruction of justice charges that were laid out in volume two. They've got his testimony. I don't know if a criminal referral has been made. I haven't even heard if the inspector general is looking into this, which seems to be his go to move. Have the I.G. look at it. And if something comes up, maybe I'll take a maybe I'll take a look. But it is extremely frustrating. But those are those are the two things I'll be looking out for. So everybody check out Justice Matters. Glenn Kirshner, I appreciate your time today. Thank you, I.G. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hello, everyone. It's Allison from The Beans. Recently, I upgraded my mattress. I got my Helix Midnight. It's amazing, as you know. But now... I want the entire amazing sleep experience. And that is why I ordered some stuff from Bowl and Branch. Oh my gosh, I was looking for the cream of the crop. That's what Bowl and Branch is. They started with a mission to produce the highest quality sheets on the market and make the world a better place in the process. Their ultra soft organic sheets not only look and feel absolutely incredible, they're also transparently sourced and produced in safe, fair conditions. That's very big for us here at the Daily Beans. My Bowl and Branch sheets look and feel amazing. The ultra-refined luxe fabric is a spectacular drape and a silken feel that is just so luxurious. It's so awesome. It's perfect. It's a perfect pairing with your Helix mattress. So if you're looking to upgrade, I really recommend checking out Bull & Branch for their incredible variety. They have amazing quality. Their signature hem sheets are beloved bestsellers for a good reason. They get softer with every wash, buttery soft, lightweight, in 100% organic cotton sateen weave that is perfect for all seasons. They come in a variety of colors and in all sizes, from twins up to Cal Kings, made to a higher standard with toxin-free processes and fair trade certification to ensure workers are paid fair living wages. To experience the best sheets you've ever felt, choose Bowl & Branch. You can try them worry-free for 30 nights with free shipping and returns. And listeners get an exclusive 15% off your first set of sheets with promo code DAILYBEANS, all one word, at bowlandbranch.com. That's Bowl & Branch, B-O-L-L and branch.com, promo code DAILYBEANS. And today's show is also brought to you by American Giant, talking about making quality sheets. I'm going to talk about making quality clothes meant to last because clothes are so mass produced now that we have to buy more, which means more ends up in landfills. That's just unsustainable. So if we look back to the craftsmanship of yesteryear, we see we used to make things of high quality designed to last and perform at high levels for a long time. So I'm proud that our sponsor today is American Giant. They've set out to bring quality craftsmanship and attention to detail and pride in their products back to the marketplace. Baird Winthrop, who's the CEO and founder, was determined and committed to make the greatest T-shirt because he was not satisfied with what was on the market. American Giant's best-selling premium slub tee's iconic silhouette is made the right way with quality care right here in the United States, made with custom heavyweight slub fabric that is not see-through and non-torquing like other slub tees on the market. American Giant spent over a year obsessing over this fabric and tested several variations until they found the perfect one for us. It's made with 100% American-grown cotton with rich and varied texture that gives it a unique look that holds its shape after wash and wear. It holds color incredibly well. The custom fabric combined with a tailored fit make American Giant's premium tee incomparable to other tees on the market. When I first grabbed my premium tee, it felt more sustainable and substantial while still fitting so comfortably. So let American Giant play a supporting role in letting your style shine. You can get your new favorite tees at American-Giant.com today. And you, hey, use promo code DAILYBEANS, all one word, for 15% off your first order. That's 15% off when you use code DAILYBEANS at American-Giant.com. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll blow 
Man, I love that Glenn Kirshner. What a stand-up dude. He's and he's really brilliant. I really enjoy Glenn a lot. Yeah, he's super smart. I'm so glad he's on the MSW Media Network. Check out his show, Justice Matters. And now we're going on to the good news. If you have any good news, confessions, corrections, send me your gang names for that piece of shit Florida <laughs> gang. Whatever you need to send in, you could do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. And I just wanted to real quick thank our patrons, by the way, who helped make this show possible. If you want to become a patron, you can do that at patreon.com slash Mueller. She wrote, you become a patron of Daily Beans. You get it ad free. You get it the night before it goes public and you get ad free Mueller. She wrote and ad free MSW book club. And uh, there's so many things. Uh, It's a hell of a deal. It is a hell of a deal. Weekly Zoom call with me. You can ask me anything. Access to our private social media groups and our discord and all that fun stuff. So definitely check it out. Patreon.com slash Mueller. She wrote first up from anonymous pronouns. He and him. Hello, Beans Queens. I found you from Pope Hat mentioning opening arguments. Stormy Daniels is a genius mentioning Mueller, she wrote, and have been listening since the kitchen days. Awesome. I find your perspective much more interesting and entertaining than most other sources of news. Thank you. This is a twofer, a correction and a pronounce the place name. Silicon Valley. I love what's coming next. This made me laugh. (laughs) AG pronounced it correctly. Dana had some issues. (laughs) Yeah, there's an understanding. Silicon is the element used in the manufacture of computer chips that gave its name to the Santa Clara Valley, where Hewlett Packard, Apple, and so many chip manufacturers were founded. Silicone is a polymer that contains silicon to form a resilient rubbery material, most famously used to help breast cancer survivors look like they did pre-mastectomy. Did you just say silicone? Which contains silicon, because I feel like that's what you said, and I do hope it is, so that at least we're even. <laughs> silicone is a polymer that contains silicon. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. That's the boob stuff. Yes, it is. For the pet tax. I, I, sometimes I say Silicon Valley. Sometimes I say Silicone Valley. S- or silicon instead of silicon. I say silicon, but I yeah. never say silicone. And I go back and forth. Like, I, 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 don't, I can't tell which I like better. Honestly. And I just have issues. So I... (laughs) Dana had some issues. Dana had some issues. (laughs) For the pet tax, I've included Harbinger, an informal neighborhood adoption. We feed him, he hunts. It's all good. MSW and the Beans has always been my commute go-to. I now listen at lunch. Thank you for all you do. Look Look at at that cat. Those eyes. That is a sexy... That is like that cat's bumble photo. That is the cometh here. Come come heareth of all kitten pictures. Okay. Thank you so much for the correction, the gentle correction. I'm glad you've been listening for so long and we shall continue. This is from Kristen, pronouns she and her. I have had incredibly bad luck when it comes to romantic relationships. You know how people talk about red flags? Well, I like to see just how many red flags I can get. (laughs) Thanks to being burned 11 trillion times and the pandemic, I haven't dated for several years and it's been even longer since I was in a healthy adult relationship. I resorted to dating apps to get some ego boosts, but they've just led to more frustration when communication fizzles out quickly or my matches don't respond. Well, the good news is I've had a couple of really great dates with someone from one of those apps. He seems fantastic. He actually wants to see me, is fully present, conversations flow easily, we align politically, and he's really good smoocher. Bonus. I added the bonus. Uh, The only downside is we have basically opposite work schedules. So as someone whose love language is quality time, this is worrisome for me. But for now, I'm just enjoying the butterflies. Mm. I have a submission for Louis Gohmert game. (laughs) In my family, we want to emphasize the intensity of something. We use equations. So here is mine. 
You know how much a douche canoe Matt Gates is? <laughs> Add that to how relieved we all were when the election was called for Biden. Multiply that by the handsomeness of McCabe. Now raise all of that to the power of the combined cuteness of all the animals that have been submitted through pet tax. And that's how dumb Louis Gomer is. I like the <laughs> equation. I that was awesome. Math. For tags, attached is a picture of <gasps> Eloise with her day-old kittens. <gasps> oh my God. Eloise was a foster that my neighbor's kitty sat while her foster parents were out of town. Sometime in mid to late September, she and her kittens would be available for adoption through Pet Connect. And that's a rescue in D.C. area. And look at that's amazing because... Look at these babies. Look at the little white kitten just set, buried in there. You can see a yeah, foot and a tail. Leg. <laughs> the leg sticking out and the tail. <laughs> like crunched in the, in the... Oh my gosh. Yeah, all these are little black kitties or tuxedos except for the one mama. The one that looks like mama. Cute. So adorable. Thank you for that photo. And that's a great equation on how dumb he is. And congrats. On, uh, tell me what dating app that is. I need to know. <laughs> uh, moving on from Melissa W. Pronouns she and her. For the first time in about two years, I was able to gather with members of my maternal family to celebrate my mom's birthday. The last time we were able to get together to celebrate my grandparents' 70th wedding anniversary was in July of 2019. Even though we did get together last summer, there was still a multitude of restrictions. This summer, we're fully vaxxed and we're able to gather for my mom's birthday. I'm just really grateful that my grandparents, 92 and 96 years old, respectively, were able to both stay alive, even though I know many of their generation didn't survive the pandemic. I'm also grateful for those also my paternal side have managed to get through this alive as well. For my pod tax, I've attached a photo of myself after my second COVID vaccine dose and the lunch I treated myself with afterwards nice love it love your vaccinated sticker and love your is that a giant glass of wine and fries it looks like sangria that's oh dude you know and is that ellie's book in the background i can't tell but i tell you what asha rangapa would share this meal with you that is her jam nice i love it i love it this is from betsy pronoun she and her i was recently on a road trip and heard the song sister christian by night ranger (laughs) one of my favorites ag by the way As a kid, I heard motoring as motor in and was pretty sure the song was about a nun staying in a motel. Whoops. Had no idea what to do with this part. (laughs) You're motoring. What's your price for flight? Finding Mr. Right. You'll be all right tonight. So she thought it was your motor in instead of motoring. All right. (laughs) Always a good misheard lyric. Thank you, Betsy, for that. And real fast, next, this is anonymous pronouns he, him. To the listener who wanted suggestions on things to do for her 25th birthday, go skydiving. I don't know if there's anywhere near Atlanta to go skydiving, but my go-to suggestion for marking any life event. I, anonymous, I agree with you. I had a, I I went skydiving for my 40th. I I was in a beautiful place to do it, but it was um, magnificent and freeing. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, I did that when I was much younger in my Navy days. Uh, they would drop us on uh, Cocoa Beach nice. in Florida. I would not do that now. <laughs> I just uh, would not. <laughs> oh, I won't do it again because I feel like once is fun and two is a statistic. Like I'm not pushing my my chances on that. Yeah, like, I don't want to risk. I'm good. I don't want to risk anything. I want. Exactly. I still. I'm doing everything to prolong my life as long as I can. Not because I want to be immortal, but because I want to fucking read the underlying Mueller materials. And it's probably going to be a while before you're we get hilarious. Them. Next up from Christine in Virginia, pronouns she and her. I have a week full of good news coming up personally. 
three firsts this week. The first house guest in the house we've lived in for 18 months. The first time we've seen our adult son in over two years. And the first time meeting his girlfriend of almost two years. Well, we met on Zoom. But does that count? We'll pick them up at the airport on Tuesday night and they'll spend the next seven days doing what families do best on vacations. Talk, eat, nap, talk some more, and then talk about where to eat next. (laughs) Sounds perfect. (laughs) I almost have tears in my eyes just thinking about it now. I can't wait. In lieu of pet tax, let me tell you about our front yard squirrel. (laughs) I love that statement. Where else would you hear that sentence? That's fantastic. In lieu of a pet tax photo, let me tell you about our front yard squirrel. She has an oddly bent tail, so she's been named Bent Tail. Uh, We watched her build a nest high up in a tree during the spring and then saw two or three baby squirrels running around recently. It's been entertaining, but I haven't managed to catch a photo of her yet. Please keep up the good work with the pod. I don't know what I would do without your educated and informative delivery of the news each day. You are the best. Thanks so much. Thank you, Christine. That's very sweet. Thank you. Thank you, Christine. Awesome. We got through it. We got through. I mean, some good news. We got Glenn. We got some good news at the end. Got some vaccine sangria and fries. Some shitty news at the beginning. Got that out of our system. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Silicon. Thank you for everything. If you have a correction, and I think I need to self-correct on something. I think at some point in some episode on some show, I said that the statute of limitations for the obstruction of justice was going to expire this this year in September. And that's not right. And that's the only time I've ever said it incorrectly. It's it's always been 2022. He did all that shit like over the course of 2017. So 2022 is when the thing would expire. Anyway, well, I feel like I said that at some point. I might have dreamed it. But anyway, self-correction, if so. And uh, if you have any, send them to us at dailybeanspod.com. Have anything before uh, you uh, travel tomorrow? No, I will miss you all tomorrow and I'll be back in your ears on Thursday morning. Awesome. It will be safe. And everybody, until then, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for the Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.